The battle of wizards and warriors continues with iron swords. The evil wizard Malkil will take the shape of the earth, wind, water, and fire. Farewell! The fate of the world is in your hands! You're listening to the Piercing Wizard Podcast, and I'm your host, Ryan Willett. I'm a professional body piercer with 20 years experience, I travel around the world teaching technique and safety classes, and I'm a member of the Association of Professional Piercers. Listen in as I talk to my friends and colleagues about our industry so we can all stay sharp. Hi everybody, how you doing? Welcome back to the show, and I'm getting back myself as well. I just got back from Glasgow, Scotland last night. Uh, I think the class went really well, hung out with Jeff for that couple of days, and you know, just kind of started to see the city a little bit. Glasgow is a really cool place, you know, really easy to get around, a lot of good food, a lot of piercers to hang out with after that class. Uh, Jeff found himself a lot of cool craft beers that he was really excited about, and we got to do some touristy stuff. You know, we went to a whiskey distillery and went to a couple of castles and just kind of hung out. It was really fun. Um, now that I'm back, uh, this morning I had to get right back into it. You know, I, I went up to Concord, New Hampshire for a, a meeting at the health department. That's part of the uh, advisory panel that I'm on. And we're making some really significant progress on getting back those studio licensing and, uh, studio inspections in New Hampshire. So I think by the summer, we're going to make some really significant headway with that. Uh, just a couple of plugs, you know, like I always do every week, you know, I've got my classes coming up and some of them are going to be closing for registration soon. So if you're interested in that LA class, uh, I'm going to be doing the, the Hollywood class on Monday, March 18th. Uh, that's going to be closing up for registration pretty quickly. So if you want to get registered for that, I'd say you got about a week or so to, uh, to get in touch with me. You can email me at ryanpba at gmail.com, or you can go to precisionbodyarts.com slash seminars, get all the info for that. And then I've got um, that special nipple class at the Boston Tattoo Convention. That'll be Sunday, March 31st. You can either go to my website or you can go to the Boston Tattoo Convention website. That's just bostontattooconvention.com. Get yourself set up for those classes. I'd love to have you. And then um, off to my other uh, you know, big, big commitment for the year, the APP conference. I'm going to be wrapping up my time on the board of directors which uh, I'm starting to get actually a little bit excited about, to be honest. And then uh, I'll figure out some more private classes for the uh, the, the summer and, and into the fall. I'm going to be probably doing at, le- at least one or two a month for, uh, for those couple of months. So this week's interview, no shock, it's going to be with Jeff Saunders. Uh, we recorded it in Glasgow the, the night after we did our class. Um, we're just kind of hanging out, having a couple of beers. We kind of started talking about disposable, single-use stuff that, that Jeff's really into. And then we kind of go off a little bit. You know, we talk about different things about jewelry. We talk a lot about bedside manner and just a really good conversation. It's always fun chatting with Jeff. Um, he, he's a really logical mind and, um, you know, really reasoned and, and well-thought-out uh, responses to questions. So it's always good uh, talking with him about that. I am home for... Uh, three days. I'm home today, tomorrow, and Saturday. Uh, today, you know, after the, the health department thing, I went to the office and caught up on paperwork, caught up on emails, and now I'm just kind of home, uh, air quotes, relaxing, you know, editing down this podcast and doing some laundry, unpacking from that trip and repacking for another trip. Sunday morning, I'm, I'm heading out to San Antonio and I'm going to do the, uh, the APP board of directors meeting for a few days and then come back and get back into work. And, you know, it kind of never ends uh, when you set yourself up for, for these roles, when you volunteer for certain stuff, when you uh, take on certain responsibilities. It's kind of like never ending. You know, I don't necessarily mind 
but uh, you know, it's a lot sometimes. I'm I'm actually really looking forward to to wrapping up with the board of directors. Um, you know, not that I dislike the work, but I think I'm ready to you know start a new chapter in my life and and focus more on you know my personal classes and you know keeping the shop going strong and maybe just maybe trying to relax and have a little bit of a life. But who knows? Uh, so for now, let's go ahead and get into that interview with Jeff Saunders, and I'll be back after that. I suppose you should do like an intro, like who you are, where you work. I don't, I don't think, uh, did you have Gamma when we did the last interview? I think the last interview we did was when we were in Brazil. We were in Brazil and I did have Gamma. You did. Okay. Yes. So, um, yeah, I can do that. Okay. Uh, do it now. Sure. All right. Uh, wait, well, I'm recording. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Um, so, uh, my name's Jeff Saunders. Uh, I own, uh, with my wife, uh, Gamma Piercing in Ann Arbor, Michigan, uh, I've been piercing since uh, professionally since 1999. My apprenticeship started in 1997. Uh, um, I started piercing or teaching for the Fakir intensives in 2005-ish, uh, and I'm currently the APP president. And I will be APP president for two more months, and then uh, I will have a new title after that. Quite the resume. Uh, I I hope so. I yeah. like it. <laughs> Um, so we're in Glasgow, Scotland and, but you know, I see it all the time, Glasgow, UK too. So I don't know if there's like one that offends people, but I like to say Scotland. I like Scotland. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I'd been here before for like pretty much just a day trip, but I, I've never really been here for like long stretches of time. And I really like this city, um, for like a city that looks like a substantial city too. It's like nice and quiet and peaceful and clean and... I think it kind of depends on where where we're at. Sure, but where we've been at has been really delightful. Yeah, it's been great. Yeah, I mean, I feel like we've been all over Central Glasgow, and you know, on our way out on that uh, that day trip, you know, so nice city, lots of good food, uh, lots of meat pies. I have been striking out. So, I mean, with the yeah. exception, uh, Ryan and I got a, a tasting menu at a very very nice restaurant. That, that was, was really nice. Delightful. What was your favorite thing off that? I like the roasted beets. The roasted beets. The roasted beets were fantastic. Yeah. I mean, my main dish, which was like a uh, a halibut thing, was very very good. But the mm. roasted beets, I keep on thinking about, and that pairing with the uh, with the, with the sherry. Yeah, the, the sh- yeah, yeah. It was, it was yeah. Sherry. yeah. We're snobs, by the way, if you're listening. It so was so delicious. Yeah, it tasted amazing. I mean, just the fact that a restaurant could make you talk about beets for like more than five minutes. Right. Means they did something right. Yeah, I keep on thinking about the beats. They were fantastic. They made Dwight Schrute proud. Right. Um, so we did our seminar today, and uh, I thought it went really well. Uh, with you know, with the exception of a few hiccups at the venue, like no heat. Yeah. And <laughs> very sticky floors. The venue didn't have heat, sticky floors, and there was no real good way to turn the lights up. Yeah. Um, and this is actually, this is one of the, we're going to tell people how the sausage is made a little bit here, but this is one of those things where sometimes you get, you could have an amazing venue, but the price goes up, mm-hmm. right? And you're just like, you want to make it affordable for people. Uh, you don't want to gouge anyone. So you find a, 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 a venue without as many perks and boy, sometimes you feel them. <laughs> and I definitely feel like we felt them today. Yeah. Everyone was very, very nice. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it was weird. The oh, no hot food available during the hours of our class right. when normally this place is a lunch and dinner restaurant. Yeah, they, 
you know, if I was to trip advisor them based on this loan performance, it would be like a three out of five, sure. right? Um, uh, we ate there the other day. It was really, really good. I, I, I wish they had heat and <laughs> clean the floors. You know, some sort of amenities like, you know, comfortable temperatures. Yeah. Really you know, nice. Yeah. But uh, our students seem to handle it really nice. Yeah. Yeah. I think when it comes to something like that, um, I don't think people are always expecting a piercing class to be like the world's greatest, you know, setup and, and venue. I think sometimes they they get that kind of sort of punk rock, sort of DIY spirit to it. Sure. Yeah. It was that. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. I mean, this isn't like a full on conference or anything. Um. So I did my normal shtick, you know, when I when I teach my private classes, it's basically the same starting unit, and then I do about an hour and a half of videos with Q&A, and then I do around two hours of like hands-on stuff, and it's like really slowed down. And today, it was basically just the first module for me, which is my slideshow talking about how needles are made and how needles are, you know, most most appropriately used. and. Then I took my hands-on stuff and kind of compressed it down into maybe like 20 to 30 minutes. And I feel like it goes good, you know, and I, I, I feel like the pairing with your information was really good because I could kind of like tease it a little bit in my presentation and be like, okay, you can do these things as a tip or a trick, or if you want to take it seriously, you know, Jeff is going to like walk you through like soup to nuts on it and really explain like the the guts to it and like the, the math and the cost to it too. So I thought that was... A good pairing for the for the two modules. Sure, I think I think we worked really well together. Um, and uh, one of the things that I did like was the way the classes, not even intentionally, it's not like we planned it this way, sort of complemented one another, and it really lent itself to um, a, a nice hands-on uh, section with the students. And the students we had had really good questions and really. Uh, uh, it's funny because you never know the skill level the people you're getting. You know that they're piercers, but uh, because it ran the gamut, like I really feel like there was something there for everybody. Mm -hmm. and, uh, I, I liked it. I really enjoyed your class. I thought you got excellent material. Uh, and I, I, I really enjoyed uh, participating and in, in, in instructing with you. Yeah, it was fun. I liked it a lot. You know, uh, I've, I haven't really done private classes with other people. I did a septum class with Whitney Thompson at the Boston Tattoo Convention a, a few years ago. That went well because we'd also taught basically the same class in Las Vegas together. Um, but you know, when I was thinking um, who I'd, I'd potentially like to teach with, that was kind of around the same time where I think we just had a random conversation and you were like, hey, I think I'd really like to go to Ireland for, for a private class. And I said, well, you know, let's try maybe... Uh, more like UK market. I, I know more piercers in like UK, Scotland, all that than I than I do in the Ireland area. And uh, I thought Scotland was was a great a great place to try, to try out a class together. And uh, Glasgow was a fun city that I'd never been to. And it's like you know, just it just kind of everything lined up yeah really well, and everything kind of came together pretty good. Except for you having like kind of a a harder time finding an easy flight. Well, I mean you know whatever. Sometimes yeah. flights are hard. It was sure. worth it. Yeah. Yeah, that was fun. You know, in the future, I would definitely like to try to collaborate together with more classes and maybe pick different markets or, you know, maybe some countries that haven't really had much for piercing education. And, and I, never, I never really thought of it until you mentioned it today, but I don't think there's ever been any sort of a private piercing class in Scotland. Right. 
Then that's great. And it just goes to show you like the people that signed up today are uh, really, really took sort of took a gamble because a lot of times they don't know the quality that we'll be able to deliver. I yeah. think they've heard we do good classes, but um, uh, I think it was really worthwhile for them. And they get to say they were at what could have been the first. I don't, I don't want to say for sure, yeah. but uh, likely I mean, first in recent memory mm-hmm. at the very least. Yeah. yeah. I thought it was cool. You know, like if you had asked me five years ago if you could do something like that, I'd say, well, probably not, you know, because it's not that there aren't piercers who care because there have always been piercers who care, but it's that there wasn't that kind of community and that network, you know, and when you can jump on to like the, the, the piercer meetup page or what, what, what's it called now? The UK piercing professionals Facebook group. I, I'm so off Facebook that I can't tell yeah, you. Yeah. You're kind of like, you're, you're getting ready to step out. But, uh, you know, for, for me, like that's one of the few forums that I'm, trying to pay attention to and, and, and trying to kind of keep the pulse, keep the pulse of. And, um, uh, I just, I, I don't know what it is. The, the UK like crew, uh, I really like them. I really feel like really comfortable with, with this group of people. And people are enthusiastic. They're, they're taking big strides. It's, it's a little bit of infectious enthusiasm. It's nice to be around. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely, I feel motivated, uh, when I, when I come over here and I talk to people because it reminds me of when I was like, you know, really motivated and excited to be like a part of something. And now it's like, you know, I still, I still have that same motivation, but it's kind of coupled with like the responsibility of like adulting at the same time, you know, um, like, okay, like, yes, I want to go to these conferences, but I have the, the obligation to make sure that like I prepare fully to the best of my ability and I have material ready and I'm ready to help out. Like, I don't, I don't get to do as much uh, social stuff with with conferences and travel as I really like to. So that's why trips like this like really recharge me because like yes, I'm I'm teaching, but I'm teaching one class on one day, and then I have a few days to hang out with you. I have a few days to hang out with with the attendees of the class and stuff like that is is you know it really energizing for me. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, and we got to see a castle. Yeah, pretty cool. We got to see a castle, and uh, are they just called Highland Cows? Uh, like the, the shaggy furry cows? I don't know. Okay. They well, were really cool. You got the pet one. Yeah. The long haired cows just came right up to me and wanted to be my friend. So that was neat. Um, the whiskey distillery. I loved it. Okay. All right. It was right. delicious. Okay. It, it, well, okay. It was. I think the, the more you learn about it and the more you talk to the people that work there and realize that like this is their whole life mm-hmm. makes you enjoy it a lot more. You know, and I kind of feel that way like about body piercing. Like I feel like that could potentially be us for our clients, you know, especially if they come in and they just like, they know they want something, but they never really thought about it, you know, like, and they're going to kind of trust it in someone's hands like yours or, you know, mine or the attendees of the class today or whatever. And uh, hopefully some of our enthusiasm about what we do and our passion filters to them the same way that like the people at the distillery, they're passionate about whiskey. And it's like, I could drink it and just be like, okay, now I can really appreciate this and be like this is really interesting now and something that I'll have memories connected to you know and hopefully sometimes when people come in and I know it's not a hundred percent of clients that come in where you, you click with them and you have these great conversations but the ones that you do I hope it like changes their opinion and then like when they look at their piercings or they think about piercings in the future they kind of connect it with that okay there are people out there where this is their whole life and mm-hmm. this is their their life's passion and their life's work and they, they really care about it so I care about it more and uh, I, I like going to things like 
you know, little, little things like whiskey distillery tours and just seeing that like, that's their whole life. And I, I appreciate it more. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, I do think, I, I see a very uh, similar thing in body piercing. And it was funny because I was actually having a very similar conversation with Lola, uh, who helped us out with this class a little bit. Uh, and she was saying, you know, for some, for some piercers, uh, it, it, it is not their life. Mm-hmm. Right, it is their job, and uh, it's just one part of what makes them a whole person. And I think that's pretty cool, and I and I get that. I've definitely I, I worked with piercers that were like that. Mm-hmm. I think not everyone is like you and me. You're right, <laughs> where we like live it and breathe it all day. Yeah, you go home, and uh, you know, my fortunately, my my wife is the same way. I'll go home and say, tell my wife Laura, and she's like, oh, you know, I. I pierced this doth today, or I did apodravia today. She's like, "Oh, cool! What gauge you use? What you know? And what technique? Did you flatten the needle? It's great. It's so much fun." And she and I still don't tire of it. Yeah. Uh, years and years and years later. I mean, that's that's. It's incredible not just to be able to have that connection with someone, but to be able to like fully express your day and have someone understand it and be able to contribute and like you know relate also but just the fact that like you can go home and feel validated like what i did today was actually like worth my time and you know it's not like you get home and be like oh i did this amazing piercing and someone's just like yeah cool anyway so what i did today was you know be able to like i don't know uh share that passion with someone is is pretty cool yeah oh i yeah. I, it, it is it, the coolest yeah there's nothing wrong like like you said you know there's nothing wrong with with piercers who see it as like their nine to five or more realistically like 12 to eight job and then they go home and they think about other things uh i ha- i've also met piercers like that and some of them are incredible you know uh it, it doesn't have to be like a, a life obsession to be like really really good at it you know and if it's a part-time job or if it's something you you go back and forth to seasonally or, or whatever and I think it's really just like if you if you put the time in and you care about doing it well, awesome. Whatever you think about when you walk out of the shop is is your own business. It's just, you know, you and I happen to be people where when we walk out of the shop, we're still thinking about the shop until we get back to the shop. Right. Yeah. And and there's two ways. It's funny because I think that could be twisted into a really negative, right? Like mm-hmm. people are like, "Oh, you've got to work on your work-life balance." That's a, a, a an excellent criticism. If I was bummed out about it. Sure. Right? If you're like, oh, these goddamn piercings. I mean, I feel more like it's like one of those things where do something you love and you won't work a day in your life, right? Like, I feel more like that. There, There's days where it's a job, but mm-hmm. often it's just like, no, this is something I really get a lot out sure. of. It's something I really enjoy sharing with people. I especially enjoy sharing with people that are outside of the piercing world those those newcomers that don't like whiskey and are like oh i learned a little something about whiskey i liked it a little bit more than normal sure right i'm not really into needles cool i'm gonna give you a fun piercing mm-hmm. it's gonna be great we're gonna have a great time and you're gonna leave happy and maybe get more out of it than you thought otherwise yeah the 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 simplest thing to me it's it's you know it's the dumbest thing but it makes me feel so good is just when people remember my even just my first name you know, if people are like, oh, yeah, I got my piercing done by Ryan. And then that gets back to me where they're like, oh, yeah, you know, they said to come in and talk to Ryan. It's just like, I'm Ryan. That means I did something memorable and, and good enough for this person to remember them. Because, like, there have been so many things in my life where I've gotten exceptional customer service and 
you know, I, I, something has gone really well for me, but like, I don't remember that person's name, you know? Sure. I remember that they did a great job, but I don't remember necessarily details about them existing in, mm-hmm. in reality. <laughs> um, so it's nice that I can be remembered even that, that little bit, you know? And uh, I like, I don't crave to have like my name chiseled in stone or have this like lasting legacy, but it's like, it's just one of those things where 10 years from now, if someone is ever just like, oh yeah, you know, I got this piercing done by a guy named Ryan and you know, it was a cool conversation and he did a good job, I, I'd just be like, I would be personally very satisfied by just that thought being Absolutely. out there in the world. Yeah, yeah. That, that sounds like a reasonable expectation considering the, the quality that you deliver. Yeah, yeah. Um, so when it, when it goes back to the class that we did today, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you, you mentioned a couple of things that I think clicked really well for, for lines in the class. And, um, you know, a, a lot of them were about how, you know, people maybe miscategorize what the concept of disposable is and how you like to refer to it is, is more like the concept of like single use and sterilized. And when you say disposable, people might get the wrong idea where, you know, you're, you're throwing away things you don't need to throw away or you're you're throwing away money or, or things like that. But the way you explain it is really simple. And the, the easiest, fastest thing that clicked for me was when you said how much money you'd spent on instrument washers, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars. And if you compare that to even the amount of tools that you would need to use for like a, a busier shop, like I honestly can't imagine spending $8,000, $10,000 on tools uh, for, for what I do, you know, especially with the way that you're talking about what you're using. A lot of it's needle blanks and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yeah, it makes perfect sense where like in the end, you'll you'll spend a lot less money if you, if you go that way. And it really made me change the way I was thinking about the concept of single use or disposable. Yeah. I, well, it, it's funny because I think there's, there's, Something that I didn't touch in the class, but I think is is a pretty valid point, is that when you're throwing away the uh, things that you're using, um, you feel you feel it a mm. little bit. You're like, "Ouch, that was a two dollar and fifty cent clamp," mm. or uh, you know, there was a time I had uh, a client come in and they were really insistent on getting pierced with F one thirty six titanium captive bead ring, mm-hmm. and uh, for those that aren't familiar, that means it's very, very stiff. Uh, so I thought I could do this piercing uh, using a technique called a torqueless insertion that I'm sure you're familiar with, and I and I couldn't. I needed tools to open the uh, the rings, uh, the ring, and the only tools that I had were Dakota steel, uh, and I just had to open it. And at the end of it, what I did was I wiped the tools off and I handed it to the client. Like, these are your tools now, and I need you to understand what I'm giving you. <laughs> I'm giving you a little piece of history. The only uh, the only way I, I'll be okay with this is if you tell me you're going to hold on to these. Yeah. <laughs> and they were they were cool about it. I was like, also, you know, you can't use them on anything. That these are just to tell people a story about. But mm-hmm. really, like uh, uh, that that was tough. Um, but you know, it because you feel the pain of throwing away a tool, it it makes you keen to reduce your waste. So in that respect, it's more environmentally safe. Uh, it saves you money because it all hurts, and it kind of comes down to the fact that people think of their reprocessing as free, and their reprocessing is actually quite expensive. Sure, when it comes to 
chemicals time, and time. Yeah. yeah, the big thing is time. Right. Right. Even if you're, even if it were completely free, if you spend an extra hour uh, a day in the shop, um, that hour is valuable. Oh, it, it could be time doing another hobby mm-hmm. uh, if you're a normal person, um, yes. and uh, it could be time with your family, and it, it's also time away from. Uh, pathogens to away from bio burden mm-hmm. um so th- there's there's a real value and you have to sit there and you have to sort of do the math for yourself you mm-hmm. shouldn't dismiss it out of hand as it's too expensive this way sure uh, especially if you're doing the instrument washers right it's going to be a long oh, time before yeah. you hit that even just the plumbing for the instrument yeah. washer just, well just just listening to your class today and you were talking about you know, it's in my studio, I do reprocess. You know, like I'm very minimal tool, but I do reprocess when I use up those those minimal tools. Um, and, you know, you were saying like, how often do people actually upgrade their equipment? And then I started thinking like, oh, you know, I haven't, I haven't upgraded my ultrasonic in like at least 10 years, probably closer to 15. So I immediately just kind of had that panic moment where I, you know, I went on, uh, you know, statum.us and, and picked out the new Psycan ultrasonic and I was like, click, you know, add to cart. And I immediately, like I purchased it and then I immediately thought, you know what? I just dropped $800 on another tool. I mean, on a, another uh, uh, piece of equipment. And it's like, well, how many tools could I, would I have bought with that same amount of money? And like, what would the trade-off have been? For me, it's really easy to, to even just do the math because like I pay my staff an hourly wage and I can clearly see, okay, they're spending this much time a week. I'm, I'm paying them this much. It's this many hours, whatever. And at the end of the, the month, end of the year, I can probably throw together an estimate and be like, wow, you know, I probably could have bought brand new tools, sterilized them once and either tossed them or handed them off to the client after that and probably spent less in the end. That'd be my guess. Yeah. And uh, the other thing is that uh, in ter- in everyone's concerned, and I think it's a valid concern, what what one's greener. Sure. And I, I think considering the amount of plastic that you have to wear to reprocess tools safely, uh, there's no there's no question that mm-hmm. quote-unquote disposable is actually greener. Because you're disposing... A, you're disposing of personal protective equipment or you're disposing of tools, right? right. So it's more like the equipment is single use. Right. Um, and I, I don't know that anyone could actually figure out for sure which is worse mm-hmm. for the environment, but I'm almost positive it's reprocessing. Well, I mean, so even just me as like a, you know, trying to be a logical thinker, I would think, okay, if I have a, a pile of, let's just say, steel hemostats, um, in, and I've got, you know, a hundred of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, those ones, sure, there's going to be a, a, an impact, you know, to mine the steel and forge it and, you know, whatever and into tools and ship them and, and all that stuff. So there's that. But then on the reprocessing side, if you'd think like, well, I don't want to throw away all these tools, but to reprocess a hundred of those tools, it's how many pairs of nitro gloves mm-hmm. that are going to get thrown in the trash how many plastic aprons are going to get thrown in the trash? How many plastic eye shields are going to get thrown in the trash? Plastic arm sleeves. How much uh, detergent is going to get washed down the drain? How many packages am I going to be putting them in and using paper and using more plastic and doing all this and, and doing all that? And, and how many dental bibs to dry them on? All these different things. Right. That's going to be a, a, an environmental impact. And if you compare it to 
um, steel tools that you can either give to the client that they can reuse themselves at home potentially, potentially or throw away and they'll be able to biodegrade a lot faster than something like plastic. Yeah. Uh, and it was really interesting because uh, apparently um, in the UK, uh, that all, all that steel is reclaimed. Uh, so they, they, uh, for those in the UK, this is going to be frustrating, but their uh, sharp spins are made a little bit differently where there's plenty of room to put a big tool in. Sure. So they can throw those, they get recycled, mm -hmm. problem solved. Yep. Right. Um, and uh, that's not necessarily the way things happen in the US, uh, but I think there's a solid argument that you could, uh, you could safely... Uh, at least prepare those for recycling if you wanted to go that mm -hmm. route. My hemostats go home with the client. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it makes sense because, uh, you know, sure, you have to do a little bit more education to the client to say, you know, these are the vastly inappropriate ways to use this tool. These are at least the semi-correct ways to use the tool. So there's that. But, I mean, I think of how many times I use my personal hemostats at home to change my own personal jewelry, and it's a lot, you know. So if people are even reusing it once, you know, that, that alone, I, I, it, it makes sense to me to send it home with them. Sure. So here's like a, a, a question uh, for you. And if for some reason you think it's not right for the podcast, I can just clip it out. Sure. But um, so if you don't do reprocessing in the studio mm -hmm. and a big portion of the concept of disposable single use is specifically not reprocessing, what do you do in the instance where a client brings in a used piece of body jewelry and they want you to reinstall it? Uh, so... Uh... That that kind of goes back to what are we reinstalling? What sure. version of reinstalling are we doing? Sure. Um, if we are reinstalling because they took it out and their piercing's still open and we just need to put it back in, um, I think there is an appropriate protocol for cleaning on a tray um, and uh, essentially, you know, wiping it down, inspecting it, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, reprocessing in a wrap cycle uh, and that makes a lot of sense to me um, especially when you consider that most and we and I, and I know this because um, we get a lot of APP applications I read through those most people aren't re-sterilizing jewelry that's brought to them mm -hmm. they're soaking in alcohol or something like that and I don't think that's appropriate but I think wiping it Inspecting it, that sort of thing, makes a lot of sense. Sure. And then re-sterilizing it. However, I don't think there's a good reason to reuse worn jewelry for a fresh piercing. I agree. Yeah. Well, okay, with the with the only exception being end pieces. Sure, if it's not going in the wearing surface, that sure. But there are just I I don't believe that there is a. So the idea I think is that I'm going to save twenty dollars by not. By using this post, post right. right? And the thing is that because my time is valuable, let's say I have a reprocessing room just for that. At what point do I start charging $20 mm -hmm. to reprocess it? Sure. Because I have to go through the whole cycle that takes probably overnight, I think, if I'm being honest. And then I should be testing it for proteins, right? And those protein tests are not cheap. Mm -hmm. I don't know anyone that's doing that. So... That equals $20 at least, right? Yeah. So I just think, you know, hey, you're going to have to buy new jewelry. Mm -hmm. um, and the end pieces, sure, you know, it's not going on yeah. the wearing surface. Yeah. I, I get it. I've, I've had that policy for a while where I always tell, well, number one, it started out with just like a, 
And, and I don't know, sometimes I get a little bit apprehensive to say certain things on the podcast because I know clients listen. Sure. And I know sometimes when you talk about how the sausage is made, it can get a little unpleasant for people. But so this, this subject, I feel like it's, it's perfectly fine and appropriate. Um, someone came in and they said, uh, in different instances, like, hey, I've got uh, these piercings that I've lost because I was in cancer treatment and I really want to have them put in. So in that instance, I was like, you know what? I'll make an exception, I'll reprocess, I'll re-pierce you with them. And and for that one, I was just like, you know, I'm empathetic with the person, but I still don't want to reprocess, use jewelry, and pierce them with it. And this was years ago. And after that, I made the decision like, okay, um, I'll do an end piece because I just feel guilty charging someone three or $400 for a really fancy end piece. Sure. And then they want to, you know, they loved it on this conch, but now they've changed it, they've upgraded, and they want to you know, use it for their other conch to get that pierced. So I would say, all right, I'll reprocess the end piece, but I want to charge you for a new backing. And then it turned into this policy of like, okay, well, I just don't want clients to abuse me and think that all they have to do is buy one piece of starter jewelry and then they can just shift that around like musical chairs from piercing to piercing to piercing because certain things are pretty compatible. Sure. So I thought like a big part of my profession is like, making making the jewelry sale you know and that's a big part of of what makes it possible for me to be a professional piercer full-time yeah. so i thought like okay it's it for me i charge 15 for the backing so i was thinking is it really going to be make or break for you having to spend 15 dollars for this backing if that supports me being able to stay in business and be able to pay my bills so i had that line of like you know sure i could reprocess this even though I don't feel like it's appropriate and I don't feel like I can ever really fully clean it to like new status if it's a used piece of jewelry with potential scratches or whatever um, but then it was also like the but like why do you need to spend $15 less on your brand new piercing and so it was kind of like this balance for me but now it's like I, I, I fully see the the whole like well I just don't want to have to take something that might have your gunk in a hole or a cavity or a thread or something and put that in my sterilizer even if it isn't a wrap cycle i don't really want to do that right and i i completely agree it makes sense to me and it's funny because i like if i put myself in the 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 seat of someone that's listening to this podcast i can hear some people screaming like it's never a problem this isn't a big deal sure. you don't have to worry about this and i I can kind of see their point mm -hmm. and then I could see the the people that are screaming like you should never use anything but the problem is is there's a lot of times there's not like a defined line in the sand sure right like for example I'm saying that I'll put jewelry back into a piercing that uh, isn't fresh that I don't have to re-pierce sure However, intact fistula yeah but a lot of times you don't know if it's intact sure until the jewelry's through. Like, oh, the you know, mm -hmm. the genie's out of the bottle. All right, I don't, I, can't, I can't undo this thing. And if we're talking like perfect world, everyone gets fresh jewelry every single time, mm -hmm. right? And that I don't think is necessarily realistic for people that have gotten an MRI the day before, right? And then like you change the jewelry and you put you put something in, and you're like, oh, it's it's bleeding. What what were the odds, right? I didn't see this happening. Um, however, I do think the best argument for the not reusing worn jewelry and a fresh piercing tends to be compelling to the client too, which is, hey, piercings are sometimes very hard to heal. One of my, the things that I find most frustrating about body piercing 
is that I can do a really wonderful piercing and I can have the best quality jewelry available in it. And I can have a client who does everything by the book, just really knocks it out of the park. And that piercing's not guaranteed to work. Sure. Right? That can be so maddening where everything goes right and the piercing still struggles or fails. Yeah. Right? Like, and, and I don't, I think I've always been sort of like, what do I have to do to make sure that every piercing works? And I think I've gotten to the point where it's just like the human body's weird, mm -hmm. right? I can use implant grade titanium. I can use sterile single use everything. I can apply it with sterile gloves. I can use it, uh, the, the best skin prep that I can decide on. Right. And I can still be disappointed in the results. And it's just human beings are sure. unpredictable bodies. Yeah. Uh, and the contrary is also true, right? Someone can walk in home. with the worst done piercing ever and yeah. it's perfectly healed. Right. Yeah. And you're just like, what is, this isn't fair, right? right? And, and it comes right down to like, what do I believe the best practice is? Mm -hmm. And why would I purposely introduce a piece of jewelry that might have little nicks that don't show up under magnification or definitely have proteins on that don't show up under magnification? Sorry, you have to buy new jewelry. And if it becomes, like, for example, like if someone spent $500 on a piece of jewelry, they're in an extreme situation, I might give them a really tremendous discount mm -hmm. on a starter piece of jewelry. Hey, you know what? I understand this situation. Uh, you, you've invested in me. I'm going to invest in you. Sure. Here's a piece of jewelry at half price, but we're starting with something fresh. Mm -hmm. People tend to be on your side with that. Yeah. It, it, I, when people just feel that you're not trying to rip them off. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, one of the things I always tell the employees at my shop to do, because, you know, they've got to make decisions in my absence. It's like, have you ever been in the situation where you, like, get your oil changed and on the way home something goes wrong with your car? And the oil change place never takes responsibility, right? It's always something that must have been there beforehand. It's like... Act the way you'd want the oil change place to act. Yeah. Where you apologize, say, I don't quite know why this is happening, but we'll do our best to fix it. Mm -hmm. um, that's just the way I, I want the people at Gamma operating, in, especially in my absence. It's the way I operate when I'm there. Yeah. Um, uh, so, in general, I like the problem of worn jewelry tends not to really be a huge problem in my shop. People get that I'm on their side, that mm -hmm. I'm, I, I want things to work out for them the best yeah. it can. We'll, we'll, we'll make a decision based on their best interest. Yeah. You know, like you said, kind of also taking care of existing clients too. There have been plenty of clients where like, you know, I know even if it was a single sale or multiple visits that they've, they've paid their PBA tax or whatever, you know, so they come in and it's like, oh, well, this or that, or this isn't fitting perfect. Or if like they come in and it's like they're, they've got a piercing that they just like never downsized, but they have like a $400 end piece on it and I'm doing some other stuff and doing jewelry changes or whatever. I'm doing a new piercing on them and charge them. I'll look at it and be like, you know what? I'm just going to throw an extra post in the statum and I'm just going to downsize that for you just because like I don't want to like milk you on those like couple bucks mm -hmm. to get that post but I really want this to like look perfect and be perfect and I want to get a nice picture of it maybe you know sure. stuff like that people do love that like above and beyond kind of customer service and, and I'm not saying give away the store for free sure I can't do it yeah sure yeah but like you know um, at the end of the year you know if it's like you know I make uh, 
however much and a hundred dollars or however much and eighty five dollars it's like that fifteen bucks isn't gonna kill me or, or put me out of business sure. so um you know I you know I do like to take care of people stuff like that but at the same time I think the farther I get in my career the more like set I get in my standards where it's just like yeah I don't want to I don't want to do that you know and like I'll give people all the explanation why and it's not like I'm going to just be like no get out but I'll just be like I don't want to do it because of this and I know that you've seen me do things to the contrary in the past but you got to understand I'm, I'm moving forward I'm trying to be as progressive as possible I will do whatever I can I would like to extend this offer to you this discount or I'd like to help you out in this way but I can't do that thing that I did for you a few years ago anymore and feel comfortable about it. Sure. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, I, because my shop's new, people, uh, I, I'm not in that situation necessarily. Yet. Um, and yet, because I mean, eventually I'll have a, a new policy, I'll change sure. things. Maybe I won't use uh, ends anymore in the future. Here's the thing. How much more strict can you get as a body piercer? I, the thing, I don't think this... It, it's not static, yeah, right? Yeah. I, I am sure there's something down the line that I'll think, I can't believe I used to do that. And sure. I'm all, I, I, right now, I'm constantly looking for ways to improve. I'm sure. Yeah. We use sterile drapes uh, on uh, people's piercings. We use a sterile tray liner. Uh, uh, we use sterile gloves for everything, including jewelry changes. And we don't even put... Uh, non-sterile captive beads into uh, healed captive bead ring piercings, right? Like, it's everything must be sterile, and that's also put in with sterile gloves. I, I'm just too anxious to do anything else. Um, so, uh, and at the end of the day, it's that same thing. Like, uh, did I spend 60 extra cents? Sure, right? Every day I'll do it. Mm -hmm. Like, I do not care. That is That is money well spent as far as I'm concerned. So... Do you have any sort of a conscious line in your mind where you look at someone with your experience level, uh, with with your years into it, um, who's doing, you know, somebody comes in with a fully healed piercing and they just want to change out their blue captive gem for a pink captive gem and you're doing uh, a sterilize with, with sterile gloves on a sterile field and, and all that stuff... Is there ever a line in your mind where you think that's not that doesn't have to be the minimum standard for other piercers of different skill levels? Uh, I don't even think skill level. It doesn't have to yeah. be the line, right? Yeah. Like I think there's a, a reasonable assumption that like, hey, everything's gonna be fine if this bead went in uh, sterilized but with box gloves, right? Mm. That's fine. I totally get that. Convinced. Mm. Uh, uh, however, do I sleep better at night thinking, well, not, it, did I take any chances today? No. You know, mm -hmm. uh, uh, my old apprentice had a joke where if you were getting into a car, he'd say, drive fast, take chances, right? And they obviously, it's like, it's supposed to be sarcastic. Like, no, don't do either of those things. It's just like, did I take any chances in my day today? No, I didn't, right? Uh, it, I like being able to go home and think that. I like to think, like, you know, I really did everything I could. Um, and, of course, that's... I don't think it's ever true, right? It's like, that you could always point to something, right? Do you have... Uh, uh, I, you could say, like, I want to do 
a full wrapped cycle in the statum for every single thing, even though there is an unwrapped cycle. I mean, you could decide mm. that. Everyone picks their line. Uh, and I bet you there's piercers that look at my line and think it's not far enough. Not many. Mm. Not many. Okay, I'd say other than Brian Skelly, you know, there's not going to be a big list that think that you're an, an unclean piercer. I... I don't think anyone would think I was unclean. I'd hope that, God. <laughs> uh, but uh, I want to meet that person, and I want to tell him to chill out. It's Christina Blasi. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hi, Christina. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I, I like being in, the, in that group of people. Sure. But, um, uh, Pobody's nerfed, right? Right. Like, I'm sure there's stuff that we could do better, and I just look for it every day. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I think there are, um, I wouldn't say learn the hard way moments, but there are definitely those moments where sometimes I do something in my shop and it's immediately followed by the thought of, why did I just do that? I don't, I don't feel comfortable with that. I'm going to redo that over, you know? Um, and a lot of it has been, you know, how do I, where, where's the appropriate line of like, you know, I know if somebody comes in for a piercing, I'm going to do you know, careful step one through 10, very, very careful. But then I, I've had plenty of moments where people have come in with a fully healed piercing and I wouldn't call it cut corners, but I, I definitely wouldn't say I did step one through 10 as perfect as I would with a piercing. You know, it's like, well, you know, okay, I'm changing this bead or I'm changing this ring and a healed thing or I'm changing an end piece or I'm downsizing. So, you know, this or that and, you know, whatever. Uh, and then I've done it and been like, why did I do that? It would have taken me 30 seconds longer to do it this like, you know, quote unquote perfect way or, or whatever. And it's like, why didn't I do that? Yeah. And then I have to stop and think like, you know, well, okay, you know, I need to really firm up what my policy is on exactly what I do and make sure that it's clear to everybody else in the studio and make sure it's consistent and that I'm doing it 100% of the time. And, you know, there have been different moments in the past where, you know, how I process something that's used or how I process it, something that's new, but when it's for a heel piercing or for a stretch or or what what uh, what materials I'll find acceptable for, let's say, a stretched earlobe, a healed stretched earlobe versus an initial earlobe or whatever, you know, things like that, where it's really made me stop and think, like, what am I doing this for? And, like, you know, what am I going to do the next time? Right. And it, it, and it is subjective. Like, you could do something tomorrow and think that could be better and change the policy in your head from, there, from mm. then on. I, I don't think... I don't think it's it's wrong to have those moments where you're like, why did I do that? I think it's wrong to not have those moments. Sure. I think the the real feeling is uh, where you don't have that. You're just so certain that everything here is great. Yeah, like I couldn't couldn't be better than this. There's no reason to try harder, mm -hmm. right? Like it is a normal and actually like really good thing that you have those moments. Like, whoa, that could have been better. I'm gonna do better next time. Right. Um, the the rule that I try to abide by is the how would I like it done to me mm -hmm. rule. What would I want the piercer that I was training to do for me? I, I couldn't imagine the Jeff getting the perfect piercing scenario without like a spacesuit involved or no. It's funny air chamber like, decontamination and for myself it's it really doesn't need to be like that right all right I I. I just, in a way, like, I think if you watch me pierce, you'd be like, oh, this isn't really all that different from anyone else in the country. Sure. Right? Like, oh, he does it this way. That's, like, exactly the way I do it. He put 
one extra sterile drape on, right? There's no difference mm. otherwise. Um, I I bet that is true almost all the time. And what for my own piercings, like I just uh, uh, I, you know that thing that sometimes piercers say, like germs don't happen at home. No. Right. Like oh, where like the, nobody cares about how clean their toilet is when when they're at home or something. Well, like I, I learned it from. Uh, uh, Courtney Jane Maxwell. Yeah. She's just like, I was doing this thing where when I was cooking, I was like washing my hands 600 times and I was just like realized I was trying to do like sterile cooking. She's like, that doesn't work. And she's just like decided like germs don't exist at home. Okay. And she's like, and just acts like a normal person at home. And I think it's pretty smart. I kind of apply that like when I'm getting tattooed. I'm like, no, <laughs> the rules are off No, here. it's cool. That doesn't count. Yeah. I'm just... It, and and the thing is, like, if I saw something egregious, of course, I'd say something. But I realize that my frame of reference is skewed. Sure. Right? To the point where tattooing is done using big bottles of ink dispersed and then put in my skin. Whereas I think big bottles are a big mistake. Right? So it's just like, all right, cool. I'm just ignoring that for myself in this instance because... I'm not going to find the, the sterile single-use tattoo ink. I, if it does exist, I've never seen it in the wild. Yeah. Well, um, I had a whole thought there for a second, and I lost it. But yeah, you know, people have different concepts of, like, when it's on them or being done by them versus their profession. And, you know, not a lot of people go to sleep at night obsessing about spore tests and you know the the efficiency of surface disinfectants and all that stuff i'd say that group is going to be really small and that group is the one where they're constantly thinking like you know did i screw this up did i do a good enough job hey give me your opinion give me your critique what do you think i could do better it's those people who obsess about it day and night who are always like you know it can be better it can always be better and I think all of those people and all the piercers out there that like really care about their job and really genuinely always want to do better the next day, um, they all know the piercer locally that just doesn't care. And those are the most frustrating ones because like they're positive that they're doing it all right, sure. whether or not they're doing any of it right. Right. You know what's funny is that I like getting into a place with health and safety where... Uh, I feel very, very comfortable. I'm kind of constantly looking for it. But I like getting to the point where it's not the thing that I think about at night. Yeah. You know what I think about mostly at night? Health Bed and safety. Bedside manner. Yeah. I really like to think, like, how could I have connected with people better? How could I have given them a better experience? It's really tough for a, busy, a very busy shop, oh, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, that's the sort of... And I like this. I like this about my current situation. It's like... What could I be doing better to give people a better quality experience? Mm -hmm. um, because I do feel like we've gotten to the point where our health and safety, I don't have to reconsider a lot. Now, I definitely think about it a lot because I tend to prepare classes. And you're in the same boat, right? Mm -hmm. Where you're just like, hey, I'm going to make this video. How can I make this video stand the test of time? Right? Is this video going to be scandalously not clean enough in right. six months, you know, right? Caution, historical content. Right, yeah. exactly. Uh, and in that respect, I feel pretty confident. Uh, first, that it will change, right? Mm -hmm. That I'll that my videos six years from now will look really different from the way they look today. Uh, but also, 
I feel pretty good at the end of the day that like I've got, I've got a thing that I that a formula that I think it works mm-hmm. and a formula that I feel like if I apply it consistently that my clients are safe and I can go to bed uh, feeling good about it. However, what I really like to make sure is like you know what could I be doing better to connect with people and how could I give people better experiences and you know I, I feel like a lot of that is what the Fakir intensives put into me because it as much as and I it, as much as they kind of informed my original health and safety uh, uh, paranoia right um, and I think they did a really good job with that um, getting me on, on a, on a um, on a great health and safety track I also feel like they they sort of said you know you're, you're piercing people uh, the people matter uh, and make these connections and right. that part I, I I think comes less naturally to me than the health and safety I think it's the part me that too. I have to work on so for me it's I feel like it's potentially a little bit worse you seem like I don't know how you would self-identify but you seem like a very extroverted person you know and uh, me like it's sometimes the, the human interaction is the most painful part of my job and not to say that in like a whiny negative way sure. But, like, I can go into work and I can perform a clean, properly placed, you know, carefully curated piercing uh, 25 times in a day. But, like, talking to someone 25 times in a day is, like, is kind of personally painful for me, you know? And, like, I, I have to balance that with the, but these are 25 human beings who deserve the best I can give them for an interaction. But sometimes for me, unfortunately, that means giving them like the show or the act or something Mm -hmm. where they're going to get the same kind of pre-canned interaction that plenty of other people have gotten. If I connect with someone, I connect with someone. Great. I can have a conversation with someone for an hour, um, you know, which is what this show is basically. But uh, a lot of times with body piercing, it's like if they're a person and we don't have middle ground to chat about, like I can, I can muddle through it, but it's like, sometimes I feel almost guilty where it's like, I did the piercing clean. I did the piercing straight. It's going to heal good, you know, all, all things considered. Uh, they got the information they needed and they left the smile on their face. But they're probably going to feel like I was robotic or fake or something like that because it's, yeah, the bedside manner, I can execute it, but it's, it's I'm doing it based on a formula in my mind. Sure. Without the, like, the, you know, the personal connection with someone. Yeah, and I think that's that makes a lot of sense. I think that's the way probably a, most, if not uh, to an extent, all piercers operate. Mm. Uh, it's when, and I and I think it probably troubles you the way it does me. You know, where you're like, "What could I've done better?" Right? Uh, and I do think it does come a little bit nat- more naturally to me. I think a lot of piercers, especially people that got started in our era, <laughs> were. Uh, a little bit antisocial, right? <laughs> and a piercing was sort of a rebellious, uh, uh, anti-establishment. Yeah. yeah, and it changed on us, mm-hmm. right? Like the game totally changed. However, I actually I think that was a little bit of a front that I was putting on. I think I naturally uh, am kind of keen to meet new people mm. and have conversations and, and sort of talk with people. I love, I love connecting with people and it doesn't have to be about stuff that I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but it, when I, it happens 
kind of regularly at Gamma uh, that people say, you know, this is a really good experience. And that really touches me because yeah. like that's what I'm going for. Um, uh, because I feel like my health and safety and hopefully my piercing technique are to the point where those should be the robotic things. It's the health and it's the uh, excuse me, it's the bedside manner that should be new and interesting and genuine. Fun every time. Yeah. yeah, genuine. That's exactly the right word. Mm. Um, and uh, uh, it, it's the most challenging thing. Absolutely, know? it's yeah. probably the hardest part of the job. Yeah, there have been times where I've gone into it like you know maybe I had a few good interactions that day anyway and I'm kind of like I'm on you know and I'm like you know oh I'm ready for the Ryan show you know and then somebody comes in and then it like I'm tr- I'm trying I'm so upbeat and I'm happy and then like they're just like no I don't have any questions and it's like oh okay you know and it's like uh put the brakes on and uh it it's weird you know like some days I can go into work and I can be like super manic friendly Ryan and then other days it's just like Eeyore is here to pierce you you know yeah that's that that's the one that I try to avoid I really try to avoid whatever is going on behind the scenes to mm. affect the situation uh, and that is really hard like uh, uh, you know I think this is such a dumb thing but I was thinking about the fact that uh John, our tour guide on our trip, yeah. w- was putting in maximum effort to oh, connect yeah. with that crew. Yeah. And it, the, the jokes weren't landing that day. And like, he, I, I think in part he wasn't connecting with me because I couldn't understand him. Right. He just kept being like, hey, the boys in the back. And I'd be like, yes. He was trying so hard. I, I was like, I have been in your shoes. Yeah. I, and I so appreciated the effort. Like, A for effort. It didn't work, but... Uh, what I'm talking about is Ryan and I went on a, t- a guided tour through uh, a castle and to uh, Loch Lamond and then uh, I'm probably saying that incorrectly um, and then uh, the distillery and we had a, uh, a paid tour guide through the whole thing and he was playing music for us that we hated <laughs> <laughs> he was dr- driving us around like country roads and I was getting car sick but he was trying the whole time and it was the entire crew uh, it, that he was on the tour with. He just wasn't quite connecting with. And I appreciated it because I've been there. Sure. Um, and I think part of it is that you kind of can't help who the other person is. Yeah. Right? Some people are not going to let you in. Right. And uh, sort of like, I did my best. I, I, yeah. I wasn't going to get in on this one. Right? Like. It's tough, but it happens. Oh, absolutely. You, you want to know what... Uh, this reminds me of a really unpleasant... like a, this, It was totally a one-star Yelp review experience for somebody. Where they came in and like... I wasn't in a bad mood, but it was like... They came in a half an hour before we were closing. I know that's not a great excuse, but it was a long day. And like I was, I was still switched on. I was ready to do a, a perfect piercing... All the health and safety was there, but I just didn't want to have to do the show and do my stand-up act. You know, I wanted to just be like, do you have any questions for me? Okay, just going to go ahead and wash my hands here and, you know, just doing my whole like, you know, it's going to be excellent, but there's not going to be a lot of extra chit-chat unless you want to bring up something as a conversation. And this one woman, you know, and it was uh, early evening and I think she had already kind of like 
switched on as to like, you know, nighttime is the right time kind of mode. <laughs> and she just wanted to be the life of the party for her like three or four friends. Uh, and they were all just like quiet, respectful, let's get this done and get out of here and let the guy go home and have dinner kind of thing. And this woman was just like trying her stand up on me. And I was just like, oh, yeah, yeah. And then she started to get like annoyed that I wasn't loving it. And then she started to, to just nip at me, and she'd be like, "Oh, this guy's having a this guy's having a rough day. Oh, this guy's not liking us." And I was like, "I like you just fine. Like I'm just I'm just washing my hands, you know." And uh, then she started being like, you know, a little bit more snippy and a little bit more snippy. And she's like, "Oh, this guy's gonna hurt me on purpose because he wants me to shut up." And I was like, "Well, kind of now, yeah." <laughs> but, but, but like the whole thing, it's like all of her other friends were lovely and they were really polite. But this one woman, she just like. She needed us to click together, and we totally didn't click together, and that that killed it for her. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those situations where it was just like, man, I don't feel like I'm going to earn this one-star review, but like, I get it. Right. I get it. <laughs> but it was not a pleasant experience for me. It doesn't sound like fun. No, it wasn't a good one. I also got a message from, uh, a, a, apparently we had a mutual acquaintance who messaged me later that night, and they're like, oh yeah, so-and-so's at the bar, like shit talking you so much for being like the meanest grumpiest person and i was like oh okay well whatever she paid her money (laughs) you know it just made me feel like a doofus yeah it's tough and that's the thing like do you you wonder if you like because you had two choices when that person came in you were like nah i'm just not feeling it yeah you're like sorry all full up right get the one star review for that right (laughs) so you tried to do your job and sure you did a good job but like it just wasn't there no ah, it's it's so tough that end of the night stuff was really hard mm. yeah um you know i would never <coughs> i would never rush a client if it was in a situation where it was like rush a client or just say yeah i'm sorry can you come back tomorrow and, and potentially lose the sale that's what i'm gonna do you know but like you know if somebody comes in and it's a long day and it's like you're tired like i think it, Going back to what we were saying earlier, like what my dream restaurant would be where you can just like, you you know, you flip the disc over to red and it's just like, I'm going to do the best of my effort to make sure everything is safe and pleasant for you. But like, I just, I can't do the the clown act right now. I'm sorry. I Mm -hmm. I can't force it. And like, you got to be okay with that or let's just like wave it off until another day. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It'd be great. It'd be great if we could be that... Frank. adult about it yeah well it's it's tough right because people want what they want sure for my shop in particular like we do uh, i know almost everything's by appointment at this point yeah uh so i, I can't book you at seven thirty and say nah, i'm not feeling it. right yeah <laughs> yeah i mean I, I think in a situation where you you know it's coming you can kind of keep yourself you keep your energy up a little bit. Sure. But I think for me, it's one of those things where it's like 7.30 rolls around and I'm starting to think like, you know, man, I'd really like to eat some dinner tonight, right. you know? And then you start thinking about your options and like, oh, am I going to, am I going to call in some sushi or some Mexican or what am I going to get? And then you like, I've had it happen where it's like, maybe I can sneak out like right at eight o'clock instead of staying an extra half hour and doing paperwork. I'll do it tomorrow morning, you know? And then somebody comes in at like 7.55 and like, are you still open? Can I get... And it's just like, uh, yes, yes, I would love to help you. I don't need to have dinner right now or I'm just going to let it sit there and get cold, you know? Oh, yeah. But yeah. whatever. I mean, that's the price of, of walk-ins, I guess. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, 
I don't know a piercer that's eating a warm meal. Oh, <laughs> not at work anyway. Yeah, I remember a uh, couple couple weeks ago. It took me three hours to eat lunch. Yeah, three hours to eat lunch, and by the end of it, it was just so cold and not even satisfactory. And I like slowed it down into so many small nibbles across so much time that by the end of it, I was still like ravenously hungry oh, because I didn't actually get to eat a meal. Yeah, I just had a whole bunch of snacks. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, here's her life. We should do another whole podcast just about like what it's like trying to eat as a body piercer. I mean, it's funny because I worked at, I shouldn't say I didn't work, I did a class at a shop that, uh, it was in Canada, Um, they would close for two hours in the middle of the day. Two hours? Right. Total... Hey, we we are out for lunch, Italy style. Yeah, and I, I kind of was just like, this is amazing. I admire your guts for having a policy like this. Sure. This is a, a self care policy, and it's wonderful. I don't know how it would do in the U.S. Yeah. Right, but I, I, I didn't see any other businesses like that in Canada. I think it was just a gutsy move, yeah. uh, and uh, I. I respected it uh but yeah i think for every other piercer i could think of it's one of those things like we're gonna yeah. order food and you know if we eat it right it's a bad it's almost like it's a bad day right that's the sure. worst part like, yeah, oh, yeah oh man the shop was terrible today i ate a meal i feel great <laughs> I, I, I no i'm not miserable i got to yet. drink water and i got <laughs> i got to pee when i needed to pee yeah yeah uh one of my favorite things you know i, I i've mentioned pinpoint in oslo several times on the show because i had such an amazing experience and like if i really stop and think about it one of the best things about it was they were appointment only and they blocked off a whole half hour in the middle of the day where you could sit down and chew on food and swallow it until your stomach was full what you chewed it yeah whoa right you tasted it (laughs) yeah but other than that it's like you know lunch at five o'clock dinner at ten o'clock kind of thing uh, I think the the more interesting podcast is how that kind of lifestyle can be uh, really negative to your body as I'm feeling it right now. Sure. Right? Sure. Because, uh, yeah, when it's just like, okay, uh, what time did you get home? Like, mm-hmm. how did you wind down from kind of an intense job? Like, yeah. Because it's an intense job. Right. Like, oh, I got home at 9.30. I ate. You can't go right to bed, right? Like, sure. that's maybe not the best move. So you went to sleep at midnight or one. Yeah. You're not going to get up at seven and go to the gym, right? Like well, some of them, some people some of do. Them, oh, yeah. Some people do. Uh, uh, they're younger than me. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think it's one of those things where it can... The piercer hours, I don't think, are ideally suited to a super healthy lifestyle. Oh, no. No, because, I mean, you got to think about it. Uh, you know, if, if somebody who works a nine-to-five job has a tough day... Maybe they go out and they have like a treat yourself dinner and a couple of drinks or something like that. But they're probably going to be home by seven or eight. You know, that's when a body piercer is getting out of work. And if they had a tough day, it's going to be more like eat an entire pizza at 10 o'clock at night and then go to bed at like, you know, midnight or two in the morning or something like that. Wake up and do it all over again. So, yeah, there are a lot of body piercers that are kind of like eggplant shaped, myself included. Right. And that's just because of the lifestyle. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough one to successfully navigate sure uh yeah i think that'd be a very interesting podcast you should yeah. probably do it with somebody who does it successfully as opposed to me yeah well get like somebody like sala who can yes. just like yeah 
you know. But he's weight. piercing in Norway. Right. That's a good point. Yeah. You know he has a. Uh, oh yeah, you know that the he Sprite has commercial. The Sprite commercial. Yeah. Where he's working out. Yeah, and he doesn't have diabetes yet, and he's got a lifetime supply of Sprite. <laughs> Yeah. My, I'm sure he drinks like one every two weeks yeah. when he gets paid to <laughs> yeah. uh, alright this will be a good place to wrap it up so we can actually sleep and then go to Edinburgh tomorrow alright that's great um, so uh, one more time for folks like where do they find you online especially once you kind of reduce your Facebook presence I will be uh, at www.piercingnerd.com that's my blog um, it hasn't been updated in a criminally long period of time it I have stuff to post. I'm just not posting it now. Um, my website for the shop is gammapiercing.com. Uh, my Instagram is at gammapiercing for the shop. Uh, yeah, that would be the places that you'd, you'd want to see me. Cool. Well, thanks for coming to Scotland. Hey, it's been a lot of fun. Thanks for, uh, thanks for doing all the hard work. <laughs> All right, Jeff, thanks for talking to me. I appreciate it. And thanks for coming to Scotland with me. I appreciate that for sure. Jeff even came to a wrestling show with me while we were over there in Glasgow. So how cool is that? Uh, I'd really like the opportunity to, uh, to teach more with Jeff, you know, maybe find some different spots around the world and hop around, teach some classes. Um, try to tune back in for next week because that's going to be episode number 100 with Brian Moeller. And Brian was actually my, my guest on the first episode, episode number one with Brian Moeller. So I thought it was really important to bring him back as kind of a bookend. And uh, man, you know, if, if you've been listening to the show for a while, you've probably heard me complain several times. Uh, about, you know, oh, maybe I'm not going to do the show anymore, or this is tough, that's tough, wah, wah, wah. Uh, but I'm keeping it going for you. You know, I'm getting those nice messages from piercers saying that it's helped to widen their perspective of the, the industry, or, you know, it's helped them with certain parts of their career, or, you know, it's just kind of, it's fun for people to listen to it, you know? Whether you're a piercer scrubbing your tools, or you're, you're listening to the show driving into work, or if you're just like a piercing enthusiast and you want to know a little bit more about the industry, uh, thanks for listening. I appreciate it. You know, go ahead and give me your ideas for who I should be talking to or what I should be talking about. You can always reach out, you know, ryanpba at gmail.com. Uh, and the show is kind of slowly expanding onto different platforms. I got it added to TuneIn Radio. So uh, that's kind of like the, the integrated app for people to listen in their car sometimes or, or different devices. So, um, you know, go ahead and try out the show on, on TuneIn Radio. If you think it should be on any other platforms, go ahead and reach out. Let me know where it should be and I'll try to get it added there too. Uh, but that's about it for now. You know, uh, tune in next week. I'm going to have that, you know, episode 100 for you. And then I'll kind of keep it going from there. But I uh, appreciate you listening. See you next week. For more information about the show, visit piercingwizardpodcast.com or like Piercing Wizard Podcast on Facebook. For more info about your host, visit precisionbodyarts.com or search Ryan PBA on Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr. If you enjoy the show, you can subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcast, and Google Play. Music by Benny B. Blanco. Show copyright 2017, Precision Body Arts, LLC. All rights reserved.